Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. We are in this high on Romans 8 concerning the Holy Spirit. And when you are born again, that is a work done by the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. But that's not the end of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers. That is just the beginning. And this is what Romans 8 really is about. And in verse number 12, the Bible says, therefore, brethren, Romans 8, verse number 12, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. You and I both know our flesh couldn't deliver us. So why in the world would we try to live after the flesh? Matter of fact, you owe your flesh nothing. I owe my flesh nothing. Romans 8, Romans 7, we are called to stop it. Stop living by the flesh. You know what the danger is? Our flesh still exists. This is why we have Romans 8. And the only thing you and I owe our flesh is to not live after it. It's a spiritual battle. And your flesh and my flesh cannot be the general. Your flesh better be the soldier. Where the Holy Spirit is the general. And the Holy Spirit as the general is telling the soldier of the flesh what to do. Not the other way around. You say, what does that look like in real life? Well, go down to the catalyst. What's that? It's supposed to be a church. It's not governed by the Holy Spirit. It's governed by fleshly manufactured appeal. Now, believers have the Holy Spirit and dwelt in their heart. But until they start leaning on and being guided by what's going to happen is the thing's going to flip the flesh is going to lead the spirit around now it 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 doesn't have the power to do that because there's a the holy spirit is a higher power but it's what are you feeding what are you feeding and we're going to see that god expects some things from us as believers so if you want to be a debtor Consider those who went before you, who walked after the Spirit. Use them as your example. Consider the present, the church family that you have who uh, tries to be obedient to the Word of God and loves God and tries to get their life in accord with the Holy Spirit of God. Consider being a debtor the future generation invest in their life model for them how the fruit of the spirit looks like there's a difference between reading it and being a part of folks that are living you want to be a debtor to somebody be a debtor to this future generation And teach them how to live and walk after the Spirit. Look at verse number 
Look at verse number 13 in Romans 8. The Bible says, for if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. Now let's stop right there. Because there's some that teach that this means you're going to die and be eternally lost. That's not what's in view here. Salvation is not in view here. Romans 8 starts with the understanding that these are believers that have the indwelt Holy Spirit. So when somebody says, well, you're going to lose your salvation or this means that you're lost, they're wrong. That's not in view here. Somebody says, well, you've got to persevere to the end or you'll perish. That's not what this is teaching. You have to give me evidence, people say. You know what that turns into? You and I have to manufacture behavior to convince each other and ourselves that we're really saved. God says his Holy Spirit will keep us, guide us, lead us, direct us. Do you hear people pray? We've got men pray here. I pray this prayer. God, help this Holy Spirit lead us, guide us, direct us. You know what that is? That's someone recognizing that there's a power inside of us that is more powerful than anything else. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. What we have in view here in verse number 13, Sarah says, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. What is in view is life here on earth, not eternal life. It's the same reason in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 30, we looked at, we went verse by verse through this chapter before, so I won't have you turn there. But it says, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. And in 1 Corinthians 11, the weakness is, re is referring to a physical health. The sickness is referring to bodily sickness. The sleep is implying the context of physical death. It's another word to say that someone died. It's physical in nature. If you live after the flesh, you're going to kill the chances of having a spirit-filled, joyful life here on earth. You're going to be led around by the flesh. And God doesn't want that. Look at Romans 6. Look at Romans 6 verse 20. It says, for when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Before you were saved, you didn't understand what righteousness was. Look at verse 21. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is what? Death. I hope if you're here this morning and you're saved, I hope that you are ashamed of the things that you did. I hope you are ashamed of the life that you live. I hope you are ashamed of the example that you left. You know what we're told to not be ashamed of now as believers? The gospel. But that old life, it doesn't exist anymore. All it does is bring death. No spiritual fruit. But now being made free from sin, verse 22, and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life for the wages of sin is death, 
but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. By the time we get to Romans 8, look at verse 6. For to be carnally minded is what? Death. When we get to verse 13, watch what it says. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. You know what your flesh is full of? Lust. The Bible says it's full of filthiness. The Bible says it's full of destruction. The Bible says that it's full of sins. Why would you want to be led around? by that. I don't, and I know you don't. For they that are after the flesh, look at Romans 8. Look at the fifth verse. This is an interesting passage. It says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. We got to get our mind off fleshly things. You know how sin starts? You don't do a deep dive into it. You start affixing your mind on it. That's how it starts. You start minding those things. And the Bible says, don't mind those things. Don't pay attention to those things. Don't give them a compartment in your head to start brewing and creating things. Stop minding that. Well, then what do I do? What do I do, Lord? Aren't you glad God doesn't just leave you there? What does he say? He says in verse number 13, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die, semicolon. Here's what it says. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Why do you have to do that? Because your body and my body is not redeemed. You got saved, your soul got saved. What happened to your flesh is as sinful and wicked as it ever will be. You've got the indwell Holy Spirit now, though, to keep it in check. You're not going to get a glorified, redeemed body here on earth. Not going to happen. Someday you're going to get one, but not today. So in the meantime, it says mortify. Look, don't kill the body. What does it say to mortify? The deeds. The deeds. That's what you got to do. The body is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I keep under my body and I, and he says, and bring it into subjection. When Paul said that, under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, he says, I keep under my body. The Holy Spirit's not forcing the hand. His presence is with you and will never leave you. But you've got some choices to make. I've got some choices to make. And it reminds us a few things when we see in verse number 13. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. It reminds us that in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. It reminds us how, exceeding full sin, how exceedingly sinful we are. But it also reminds us how exceedingly sweet the presence of the indwelt Holy Spirit is. There's a contrast there. You have one and you have the other. 
We have to learn to hate the sinfulness of the flesh and learn to love relying on the Holy Spirit. Talked about the ifs earlier. Look at verse 13. Look at the two ifs. For if ye live. Now watch after the semicolon in the middle of the verse. But if ye through the spirit. Do mortify the deeds of the body. You got two ifs. God told you. God told me to do something. Yes. The Holy Spirit will guide. Yes. The Holy Spirit will lead. But no, God is not going to armbar you into submission. You've got to make a choice. And it's not wrong to have to make a choice. When God says, you have a choice. Through the two uses of the word if. God is working in us to will his will. Yes. But God is also expecting us to choose to be led by his Holy Spirit and his will. Both of those statements are true. And God has given us the Holy Spirit to live within us so that we're not overtaken by our fleshly passions. And that's the problem solved. The Holy Spirit. How is my marriage going to be healed wrong question who is going to heal my marriage the holy spirit how are my kids ever going to turn back to god and get back in church and wrong question who is going to turn my child's back my child's heart back to god a lot of our questions to God come from a misunderstanding of who God is. Holy Spirit is alive and well in believers. And if you want somebody to have some power, start witnessing to them about the Lord so that they trust him, they be born again, and they receive the new birth and the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct them. Verse number 14, let's move on. Watch, it says, uh, it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The only way you can be led by the Spirit of God is what? Is how? It's if you are a believer. If you're not a believer, I am not saying this to be mean or sarcastic. I'm just stating it as a matter of biblical fact then you don't belong to God. But God's will is that he wants you to belong to him. How do I know if I'm a believer? But as many as received him to them, gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Have you believed on it? Go to Philippians 2. Watch this one. Philippians chapter 2. Bible says in verse. 
verse 15 we'll start at, that ye may be blameless and harmless. Watch this. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among ye, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. How do I know if I'm a believer? Does that identify your life? Have you believed on his name? Are you considered a son of God? Do you see yourself living in this wicked world as a light? Verse 15, Romans 8. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You think God wants you doubting who he is? You think he wants you living in just this, this haze of uncertainty? I don't think he does. I know he doesn't. Why? Because you don't have the spirit of bondage. God has given us the spirit of adoption. 2 Timothy 1 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a, of a sound mind. Well, God gave me a dream. Well, God gave me a vision. No, he didn't. He gave you his word. He gave you, you know what he gave you? It, what his word says, he gave you the spirit of adoption. If you think he's talking to you through a dream or a vision, why would we respect his word? Every word of God is pure. Not every thought that comes into your head. Not every time you fall asleep and daydream on the couch in the afternoon and you wake up and you've got an idea. The voices that you're hearing and the voices that I'm hearing, all that does is add confusion to the word of God. You want to get on the New York Times bestseller? Go ahead and write about your dream. We've got the sword of the spirit, which is what? The sword of the spirit. Sword, the spirit. The sword of the spirit is what? The word of God. You check out what I say in the word of God. I check out what you say in the word of God. Don't believe what the preacher says. You believe what the Bible says. What do I do, what do, I do if the preacher don't line up with the word of God? Well, what do we do with you when you don't line up with the word of God? We're typically gracious and kind and caring. So do the same thing to the preacher. Now, if he goes way off the deep end, and okay, there's a look, there's a right way to leave a church, and there's biblical reasons to leave a church. But for the most part, if you're expecting the preacher to have all the answers, you got your hope and faith in the wrong thing. You better put your hope and faith in God, his Holy Spirit. You've got his sword. Let's get in his word. Every word of God is pure. Don't let your imagination trick you. Spirit provides some things. He's, he, he provides some blessings. If you're saved, you know what you've got? You've got some spiritual gifts. Are you saved this morning? You found rest. Where did you find rest? You found rest in the Lord. You didn't find rest in a day. You didn't find rest in your bed. You found rest in your soul. 
in the Lord. You've got assurance. And it doesn't come from you being perfectly obedient. First John 2, 1 says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. You know what God wants us to not do? Sin. Well, what happens if I sin? And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You know what happens when you sin? As a believer, you have Jesus Christ standing as your advocate. I'm telling you, you've got assurance, not because of your perfect obedience, because you could never live perfectly. If it was, if it was, it was, if it was based on you keeping your salvation, the minute you got saved, ten minutes later, you'd be lost again. I have assurance. You have assurance because the Holy Spirit seals us. I've got the joy of the Holy Spirit. How about you? He's the one that strengthens us. He's the one that supplies us with confidence and safety. You know what the Holy Spirit is? He's a worker in the adoption agency. And he wants to adopt you. He worked things out so that you could be adopted into the family of God. And adoption's a beautiful thing. Children that aren't wanted are wanted. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the comforter that provides you comfort and me comfort. That's the truth. The Bible says it's the word of truth. It's the way of truth. It's the spirit of truth. It's the spirit that guides into all truth. It's the spirit of the Lord. It's the spirit. It's the spirit of liberty. It's the spirit. You know what else it is? Of life. Guess who in? Christ Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. That's who we have. It's a spirit that testifies not of the world, not of anything else. It's a spirit that testifies of Jesus Christ. I've been made free indeed. How about you? That's the spirit we have. It's the Holy Spirit that dwelleth in me. People get excited and they jump and shout when the big team hits the home run and they run the bases and everybody goes wild. I've got the Holy Spirit, praise God. It's a power that's not weak. It's mighty. It's an opportunity to live not by the power of your flesh, but by the power of God. You know what I've got? You know what you've got? The mighty hand of God to rest all your care upon. It's a mighty hand that isn't going to fall and fail you. Well, I leaned on this person before and they let me down. And I leaned on this and that let me down. That won't happen with the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you this morning. I'll tell you right now. You've got the right to bear arms. You are a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've got a sword. That's what you're carrying, amen. And it's not a physical sword. It's, 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 a, it's a spiritual sword. It's the sword of the spirit, like we talked about. It's the word of God. I'm telling you, it's a quick sword. I've got the right to bear arms. It's a powerful sword. I've got the right to bear arms. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I'm telling you what, I'm keeping my right to bear arms, amen. 
I've got something that's better than anything out there. And so do you if you've got the Holy Spirit. I'm keeping my Bible. And my Holy Spirit's keeping me. And he's doing the same thing for you. But oh no, we're not done. We've got spiritual weapons that are mighty, mighty through God. We've got weapons that give power. You know what they have power to do? Cast down imaginations. You know those silly thoughts that you have and I have that are just vain? I've got a power inside of me that'll take every high thing that it's that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And I've got a power in me that will cast it down. You know what else I've got? Weapons that will bring every thought that I have into the obedience of Jesus Christ. If, if, eight times in Romans 8, the little word, if, if, I yield to that Holy Spirit. I've got an inner man that is strengthened with his might. I've got the riches. I don't have the riches down here. I've got the riches of his glory, praise God. And my life, you know where it's hid? My life isn't hid in the hills and hollers of Tennessee. My life is hid with Christ in God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's what the psalmist wrote. And all that is within me, he says, bless his holy name. Bless his name. Are you saved this morning? Bless his name. Are you saved this morning? Oh, my soul, bless his name. You've got the Holy Spirit. I was an unwanted child. As God's enemy. Now adopted. Into the family of God. You know what I can do? You know what you can do? Just like Jesus cried. Abba Father. You can approach God the Father. With the same words that Jesus used. In Mark 13. And you can cry out. Abba Father. Look up to God. You can address him the same way. The Lord Jesus Christ is. Why? Because his spirit dwells in you. You're a child of God. He's your advocate. Abba. It's a Jewish phrase. Jewish boys say Abba. The Greek word for father is pater. Father. That's used by Gentiles. I can't help but think. It doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter what country or nationality you're from. Each and every one of us who have the same Holy Spirit can cry out, Abba, Father. Just like a child would look up from his daddy's knee and cry, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. We can do the same thing with our Heavenly Father. Galatians 4 says, because you are sons, God hath sent forth, guess what? The Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You know who doesn't do that? An unregenerate person. You want to know why they want to break down the family? 
they do not want to have children have an example of a loving father and a loving mother that they can look up to. And I say that because do you know how hard it is for children to understand a heavenly father when their earthly father has abandoned them? Well, is my heavenly father going to abandon me like my physical father? No, he's not. But you can understand why a child who grew up like that would think that way, right? Young people, pay attention. You have the blessing of being in a church on a Sunday morning with parents who care for you and love you and feed you and clothe you and bring you to church and try to do the best they can to care for you and provide. There are many, many, many children who do not have that blessing here on earth. They don't. Through no fault of theirs, They've been under a father that has abused them, that has hurt them physically, mentally, and spiritually. Can you understand how when you ask them to turn to a heavenly father, that through his mighty hand, he will, you can cast any care upon him and he'll hold you? You can understand why that's going to be really hard for them to swallow that based on what happened to them. But I'm telling you, God and his Holy Spirit is so much more powerful, he can break all that. This is why this world wants to break down the family because they want to make it more difficult for someone to see God. Fathers, love your family. Look, I know it's not going to save them. But you and I as fathers have been commanded by God to raise those children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Not of the world, of the Lord. Take it with responsibility. To finish up, one last verse. The Spirit itself, Romans 8, 16, beareth witness with our spirit that we are right now, right now, the children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we be also glorified together. On a park, as we close out on children of God, Ephesians 1 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And in Romans 8, 16, we have two witnesses that establish this truth. Look at it. In Romans 8, 16, you have the Spirit, that'd be the Holy Spirit. And then look at it, beareth witness with, what's the second witness? Our Spirit. Amen. And those two witnesses establish that truth that we are right now the children of God. There's two distinct spirits being spoken about, the Holy Spirit and our Spirit. And I'm telling you, it is not a spirit that says, oh, you're just the adopted kid. Oh, no, no, no. You've got sonship. You've got heirship. 
You're a child of God and you have full legal rights. You've got a new father. The old life is done with. It's wiped out. All the debts are canceled. You have loss of rights with that old family. The devil who's the father of lies isn't your daddy. Hey man, not shouting news on a Sunday morning. I don't serve the father. I don't serve the father of lies, the devil. Now I'm a child of God. I've got a I've got a new family. And I gain rights as a legitimate son in my new family. And the law would recognize you as a legal son of your new father. And just as a judge would be a witness from the bench for that legal adoption, we've got the judge, God Almighty, as our judge. And the Holy Spirit will bear witness with our spirit that we are absolutely under the control of the Holy Spirit now. My old daddy don't control me. I'm happy to obey my new dad. And you know what? In adoption, you know what the whole spirit of adoption is? That child doesn't do anything to earn it. He didn't do anything to deserve it. But a loving father said, Come here, son. You can sit on my knee and look up and call me Abba Father. Why? Because God who is rich in mercy, wherewith he loved us. That's why. We were dead in sins have quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. It'd be a great morning this morning to have an adoption service. Somebody can be adopted into the family of God with the Holy Spirit to bear witness with your spirit. How do I do that? By grace are you saved through faith. All you have to do is realize that you're a sinner, realize there's nothing you can do to reconcile yourself to God. Your sins separate you from God. God is just, holy, and righteous to send every sinner to hell because God hates sin and he cannot let any unrighteousness into heaven. But that is not what God wants. God wants every lost sinner to come to him. That is God's will. The character of God is love. And he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Have everlasting life. You can pass from death to life. And you can be adopted into the family of God. But you need to repent. You have trust in something. Put your full faith and trust. Turn from and turn toward God. Trust him and him alone. And you will be adopted into his family. The Holy Spirit will dwell with you. And you have a power that's more powerful than your flesh. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.